I'm Steve McLeod and this is Bootstrapped. It's a podcast for people running bootstrapped software companies or wanting to run one. I run two bootstrapped software products, Feature Upvote, which lets your customers vote on ideas to improve your product, and Sabre Feedback, which offers a feedback widget you can add to your website. Follow along as I learn from talking to other bootstrappers and experts, and just maybe you'll learn something too. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Bootstrapped. I'm Ed Freifogel, and with me today is host Steve McLeod, who is still trapped in Australia. Steve, give us the update. How are you doing out there? Well, all I can say is you got it right. I am still trapped in Australia. However, we think we may be able to get a flight home to Barcelona within the next couple of weeks. We have our fingers crossed. Well, that would be great if you can make it back. Let's see. As I've told you, though, before, you're not missing a lot here in Spain. We're looking forward to leaving the Australian winter and arriving in the Spanish summer. <laughs> it is hot as hell here. So that being said, I do want to say one thing, a, a quick big word of thanks to everyone here in Spain in the, uh, the health system, because the numbers have really improved quite dramatically. Things are really getting better. The number of deaths is, is dropping. And um, I guess particularly when we compare it to the response in some other countries. Hey, Ed, I noticed something. Something. You sound so much better than you did in the last episode. What is it? <laughs> have you been taking elocution lessons? Have you like got a new mouthwash? Why, why do you sound so much better? I, I got a new microphone, actually. So, yes, my apologies that our last episode, the audio was absolutely horrible. Uh, my microphone broke shortly before recorded. So, and my new one hadn't yet arrived, but now it's here and you can hear the sweet, soothing tones of my voice. So, that um, bad audio the last time we did an episode together was a way for everybody to realize just how good it is when you have the right equipment for the job you're doing. Right? It does make a big difference. It does make a big difference. So, okay. So, um, give, us, give us an update on what you've been up to work wise, Steve. I've been working mostly on Sabre Feedback's site content. We've decided that the main uh, channel we're going to use to try and get customers for now is SEO, so organic traffic from Google. So we've already created a few pages and added them up and designed to work well for Google and searches such as website feedback button or how do I collect website feedback. And, you know, it's already starting to show some some results quite amazingly, only a couple of months after uh, I got Sabre feedback. That, so, that is pretty amazing because I would have expected any changes take quite a long time to trickle in, particularly on a very competitive terms like those. Well, starting from a low base means that you can get 10 or 20% improvement when it's still actually a small improvement in absolute terms. So it's just a long, slow process, but I'm glad it started already. Yeah, I think that's important. You've got to, you've got to dive into SEO as soon as you can because it does take a long time. And I think increasingly Google does seem to value age. Unfortunately, there's no way you can speed that up. So it's like that saying, the best time to plant a tree is 20 years ago. And the so, second best time? Today, Steve, today. <laughs> so what about so. you, Ed? What have you been working on? Well, very similarly, we've also been spending a lot of time on content marketing, uh, which is kind of new for us. We produced a big guide to what is known as reverse geocoding. So just as a quick recap, there are two kinds of geocoding, forward geocoding, which is where you have an address and you want the coordinates, or reverse geocoding, which is the opposite. You have coordinates and you want the address. Um, and uh, so we, we thought we'd 
Forward geocoding is very competitive. Reverse geocoding also, but we thought that was an area we might we a we get a lot of questions about it, and and a lot of our users are interested in reverse geocoding, and so we thought we'd create a very comprehensive guide to this topic. And a it would hopefully address some of the user questions, but secondly also help us in the medium to long term on SEO that we can get more more people who are interested in this topic. So let's spend the rest of our time in this episode talking in detail about that. I think it's actually a really interesting way to do marketing where you can take your expertise and do something with it. How does that sound? Yeah, it was a, it was a big project. So there's a lot to talk about, frankly. So, um, so what exactly have you produced? It's a guide. What is it? Like a PDF, a few, pa- few web pages, something interactive? Yeah, no, it's, it's a few web pages. It's um, five or six different quite lengthy pages with various content. So one is kind of a tutorial. One is where we just kind of explain various terms that are around the topic, different use cases, um, how, of course, you know, always mentioning how we do it. We try to be, you know, not just say, here's what we do, but say, you know, here are different approaches that you might take and here are the pros and cons of each approach. And, you know, you can... One one of the big... One of our biggest competitors is... is companies saying, oh, why should I, why should I pay you to do this? I can do it myself in-house. So we talk a lot about that, about how you could do it yourself in-house, but then also, of course, explaining the various negatives of that approach and why you might instead want to work with someone like us. So the people who want this, who'll be reading this guide are the type of people who'll be looking for your product. Like your guide, this guide is about what your product does, right? How they could build a competitor to you if they wanted to. Correct, correct. It, it does explain that, how they could build a competitor. But we also try to explain all the aspects to our service that perhaps are non-intuitive to someone when they first look at our site. So so one of the big challenges, people are like, oh, I could just build this myself. And then mm-hmm. they start going down that path. And only as they go down the path do they realize, oh, I forgot to think about this edge case. And oh, I forgot to think about that edge case. Oh, and what about this and that and that. And then you know, they realize, oh, this is actually harder than it seems. And maybe I can't just whip it together in a weekend or whatever. So our hope is that by making all that complexity transparent to people ahead of time, then they'll realize, well, you know, maybe I shouldn't, maybe it's not such a good idea to put my own engineers on this and, and waste a lot of time and effort. And then so I should just work with the pros. Right, else? give you $100 or $200 a month rather than pay for 20000 or 50000 or $100,000 worth of engineer time. And then have something else to maintain. So so in general, you've gone for something with very wordy, very detailed, or if you tried to keep it relatively light? Well, that's the challenge, of course. I mean, you can produce something, you know, obviously this is a topic you could write a a detailed technical textbook on. So, but the problem is very few people want to read a detailed technical textbook. So you try to keep it light. On the other hand, you can't keep it too light or then, you know, it doesn't, it's not comprehensive enough. And also it doesn't serve its purpose in terms of, being a rich content that will win out in SEO. So we try to go for the middle ground. We'll see how well we did in terms of... We we only just launched it this week. So I haven't really gotten much feedback to, about it yet. And, and we'll see, A, the user feedback, but B, also the how, how it fares SEO-wise in the, in the long term. That's, so of course, they, one of the big frustrations is it takes a long time to see, but, you know, how is it working? Is it not working? Right. So you so, see this primarily as a way to get organic traffic via Google. Yeah, hopefully. I mean, we might we might experiment a bit with some paid promotion of it. Okay. But, you know, let's see if we can use it kind of as a content magnet to get people in. Uh, but unless the experiment is like, you know, unless unless they immediately see that, oh, this generates a lot of traffic, like unless it generates a great conversion on the paid side, 
you know, probably we'll just leave that as a little experiment. And so tell me, Ed, how did you get the idea to do this? Was it something you've been thinking of or someone else gave you the idea? It is something we've been thinking of for a long time. And, uh, you know, obviously we didn't invent the idea. We've seen, I've seen other services do this, not, not just direct competitors to ourselves, but people in other categories. Um, you know, I think on the content side, it used to be enough that you could write kind of one detailed blog post or whatever. But the trend has gone much more to having really comprehensive guides um, mm. that where people go really in depth. And that, that's a problem because then it's like you have to produce very compelling content, like in terms of the text, but also the, the guides that I've seen that work well, they're really well produced also visually, you know, like very good graphics, very slick design on the site, and maybe possibly even kind of interactive demos and things like that where people can not just, where they're not just reading text, they're actually like, you know, consu- interacting with it in some way. And the problem with all that is when it's done well, it's fantastic. And you, you really, you're you like, oh, this is a great resource where I can learn about this topic. The problem is it's a nightmare to produce. You know, I mean, this is really like, and the people who are doing it well, you can see they're putting in tons of hours of really crafting a great experience. And so it's a, it kind of becomes a product in its own right. Yeah. And that's time you're working on that. It's time you're not working on your core product that you actually charge money for. Exactly. So we have debated this for some time. And the problem is with, with our team that we have, myself, my co-founder, and, and the, you know, we're we're good engineers. I wouldn't, we're not good designers or th- th- this does not fall into our natural skill set, I would say. And this kind of very slick online presentation. So while we always were like, oh, we should do some kind of content thing, it was always such a daunting task of how we could do it. And then in the end, I I was contacted. Actually, you'll quite appreciate the story because someone who listened to this podcast. This podcast that we're we're talking on right now. This very podcast that is echoing in your ears right now. Wait, so we definitely have people listening. Is that what you're saying? (laughs) I know, I know. I I spit my coffee out as well when when I heard that. Was it my mother? Was it your mother? (laughs) So, no, it was a guy who I had known previously. We we had worked together on an open source project, you know, 15 years ago or so, um, related to geo stuff, mapping stuff. And uh, I had followed him on Twitter and, and we had kind of, you know, I was, I was vaguely aware of what he was up to, but we weren't in close contact or anything. And he pinged me and he's like, oh, I heard on the podcast, you're looking at new marketing channels. I don't know if you know, but I actually do. He had since gone on to work in developer relations for, for various different companies. And in the U.S., he's, he's an American based on the West Coast of the U.S. And, and he had kind of discovered the niche, apparently this problem that we had that we were good at the technical side of things, not good at the kind of content generation side of things. He now works to prevent, to um, address exactly that project, that that niche in the market, and he'll, he'll produce the content for you. So he'll help develop-centric organizations produce content, good content. Exactly. And so we had a call. He pinged me and we had a call. And for the first time, I was like, this might be possible. Because the issue is, of course, you can hire a writer to write some mm. content. But mm. the big problem is most writers don't, have the technical background. So our product is highly technical. So it's no good if I just find someone who can write, but they can't really get into the technical details, which is what my audience wants and needs for it to be. A, a... And so this guy, I knew he had the technical background because we had worked together and he, he is an engineer himself, you know, and like, you know, as an example, it's like, so in our tutorial, we actually have, he actually built a tutorial where we have sample data that's in a, a repository on GitHub 
and you know he shows the exact commands of what you need to do and like you know that's that's not the type of thing your average writer could do that sounds so, awesome. Yeah, it was. Um, so actually, I realized, I, I guess I should have asked him beforehand whether I um, can reveal his name, but maybe we should do it. <laughs> so his name is Adam Duvander, and he's great. I can highly recommend him. It was a real pleasure to work with him and his team. And okay. um, they did a great job. And, uh, you know, we'll, maybe I'll, I'll send you a link and get it in the show notes. And check yeah, out that'd be great. Yeah, I'll definitely do that. So as I said, for, for many... For years, we've had the idea of, oh, we should have some you know great content repository or something where we explain all the questions that keep coming up. And we always held back because it, because of the challenge of actually creating it in a way that would look good, that would um, be technically rigorous. And, and so when Adam contacted us, it was like, this could actually now happen. Um, and it's not just that he has great writing, he has a team of designers. So, we, you know, we, he produced some great um, graphics and images for us and things like that. So, cool. So, he's managing just about everything. Exactly. Exactly. He manages all that. And, you know, and I think it turned out, turned out very well. Obviously, I would love it if all the listeners out there uh, give a look at it and send us feedback. And, you know, if you find things we can improve, let us know. And if you, if you like it, let us know that as well. But I'm really happy with it. So, yeah. So do you think in the early days of OpenCage data, this would have been the wrong thing to do? You would, at that time, you were better off spending what, what energy you had on the more basic, simple things? Like, you think it was good to wait so long until you did this? No, I, I wish we could have done it sooner. It's just we didn't have two things. One, I think we, we've learned over the years what kind of questions come up. And so what topics needed to be addressed? And I'm not sure we would have been able to do that at the very beginning. Certainly, we could have done something, but it it certainly benefited by the fact that now we know the space much better. Yeah. It's nothing like having a couple of hundred customers to really understand what people need to know. Well, not just customers, but also people who didn't become customers, right? And people have told you why they didn't become customers. And so, yeah, we we know more and more about the market. But honestly, there's no way we could have built this ourselves. And I mean, we could have, I could have maybe put together some of the content or whatever, but but the reality is, you know, we're busy working on the day-to-day operation of the business. And it it was just a thing that was always easy to delay. And then by outsourcing it to Adam, it was the first time we had confidence, like, okay, we could, this guy can do a good job and make sure, you know, we had, we had long detailed calls with him where we really went through, you know, what is, what are we looking for? What are the, what are the themes? What is the ethos of our business? What are we trying to accomplish? And he was very responsive to that. So. So are you able to tell us uh, what the budget was approximately either in time or money? Well, in time, I would say the whole thing from the first kickoff call until it being live was about two months. And how much of your actual time did you have to put in? We had a big kickoff call. Then after a couple of weeks, he came back with some more questions. And then then basically he put together an outline online and we were kind of, you know, dual editing in the outline and, you know, suggesting ideas. And um, and then after a couple of weeks, the, the outline started getting filled in and the different chapters and sections were complete. And the, then the images started getting done. And then the final piece at the at the final week or so was us integrating that, all that onto our website and making sure it looked good and, you know, getting the CSS just right and all that kind of stuff. So 
really it wasn't that much for us. It was in terms of time. It was a kickoff and then kind of going along with the project and making sure they were on the right path. So that really didn't take much time. The fi- then the final piece was now this final week, integrating it and getting it live. That took a few right, days. right. And money, can you give us some sort of rough idea? Like I know you won't want to say the exact amount, but is it something that would be quite taxing for a bootstrapper budget? Yeah, it was multiple thousands. I mean, it was it was as you can imagine. I mean, we had yeah. a, a yeah. you know this experienced guy working on it for multiple. I mean, I mean, I'm sure he's working on other projects as well, but he has a yeah. whole team of writers yeah. and and graphic designers and things like that. So this wasn't minor. It was a it was a significant investment. We're not talking ten cent per word uh, writers. You find on yeah. Upwork who just like churn out generic stuff. Well, that's exactly it. Is like I have actually in years past been like, oh, maybe we should, you know, everyone talks about this content marketing. Maybe we should try it. And and you look into it, and yeah, you can find you can find online, you can find people who claim they'll do some writing for you, but at, at ten cents a word or whatever. But it's just like garbage in is going to be garbage out. And yeah, the only way you can make money at ten cents a word is by churning out a lot of stuff very quickly without doing the proper research and. Well, exactly. And it, the thing is, I always have such a negative opinion of if I go to a website and they're like, check out our guide to such and such, and then you click on it and it it's just, you you can tell it's kind of mass generated crap like that. I'm like, what, are, you know, it, it, it has the opposite effect of creating confidence in the brand. Yeah. It has a very negative effect. So yeah. it's not just that they wasted money on the content. It It, it really turns me off. So... Anyway, yeah, so it wasn't, it, it's kind of a big bet. So we'll see how it goes. But on the other hand, we've tried many different marketing strategies. And, you know, so let's try this one. And my hope is A, it works as a marketing channel, but B, it also helps reduce support because people, hopefully, because they, they can find the content and it can educate them. You know, who knows? We'll see whether that pans out. But, but that's kind of the idea that we're using it to attract more of the type of people who can be good customers of ours. That sounds so, like a great plan. Hey, have you thought much about what work you'll need to do on an ongoing basis to keep the content up to date and accurate and in line with modern changes to frameworks and browsers and data yeah, and so on? Well, hopefully not that much. Let's see. I mean, we we did think about that a little. That's the issue. Do you try to... On the one hand, I want it to convey the state of the industry and be leading edge. On the other hand, it should. it's more about explaining basic principles so which hopefully don't change every week or anything like that. So mm-hmm. um, let's see. I mean, we'll see how it pans out in terms of, you know, if it turns out that this is the key to our SEO in the future, then maybe we'll invest more time in it. And it, so, as I said, we've only done reverse geocoding right now. Um, let's see how that goes. And then maybe we'll do, do another one on forward geocoding or other aspects of our business and see how we can, um, you know, if it goes well, we'll probably invest more. And if it, if it doesn't really work out, then we'll say, well, we gave it a good try and let's try something else next time. I see these really excellent guides of this nature on Stripe uh, sites, sites like Stripe, but you know they they have a massive budget, massive investment. They're a billion, right. yeah. multi-billion dollar yeah, company. And it always seems to me like something that's the work of a big company. So it's really great that you've managed to get this done on a, on a bootstrapper's budget. Well, I would guess even at Stripe, it's probably the work of a smaller team. Right, but right. The, the, the piece that I think can make the difference is, like I said, the design. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, you can you can tell sometimes when you go to a site, it just looks slick. And, and they like, I don't mean like, 
has all kinds of bells and whistles or whatever, but you can just tell someone actually put thought and energy into like creating this content and making sure it's easy to navigate around and mm-hmm. that the examples are relevant and that the images fit. They're not just stock images. Yeah. Know. Yeah. Diagrams that have been custom made to illustrate the points. Exactly. Well and so exactly. Yeah. And that the, uh, it's easy to read. There's no simple mistakes and so on. Exactly. There's no, you know, that that someone has looked at it with the eye to like, okay, I actually want people to read this. Like it's designed for humans, not just for the search engine. Yeah. And that requires you have to have a human do it. So, and a human who knows the topic and cares and... Have you thought much about how you're going to promote it? You're just going to allow, well, you did say you might try advertising, but are you just going to allow Google to do its magic and eventually start showing it in results? Well, that's obviously step one, of course, but I don't think we can rely just on that. We are going to experiment with some paid promotion. Um, we have this community through the the Geo event that we run. So we're going to feature it a bit to that community um, this week and in, in a day or two, our monthly newsletter goes out. So we're going to feature it in that. Um, we're also going to work on promote. We, you know, we have we have given the kind of freemium nature of our service. We have a lot of people signing up for our service all the time, uh-huh. and so we kind of ask them some questions when they sign up, like which programming language do they use, and so. And not everyone answers, but some do answer. So some, you know, people who answer that they might be interested in this topic, we can kind of think about how can we relevantly present the content to them. But no, we're open to all other ideas. We need to figure out how we how we can. That's kind of let's say the next step. And so we have some obvious things that that we're going to do and we're going to try. But very open to other ideas of how we can further promote this. If you had a email newsletter, it would be the perfect thing to encourage people to read a chapter at a time by that. But I don't think you have much of an email newsletter, right? No, we do, we don't have an email news. We have an email newsletter for the the event that we run, but yeah. that's separate from our business. The issue is, man, I don't know. We've never, you know, no user has ever asked me for my, you know, how can I get on your newsletter? Like, yeah. it's not it's not something people really want. I mean, yeah, it's that pro- problem of uh, marketing to developers, which you talked yeah. at length about some months ago. Which I think you said was the actual episode in which uh, led to you being contacted with this idea. I think so. I think it was the one at the beginning of the year where we talked about what are we going to work on this year. And I said, oh, I'd like to find, to unlock marketing. That was um, the episode that I think Adam listened to and heard. So I will reluctantly say a little bit that of something I did similarly a few years ago with my previous product, Pokeco Pilot, because it's no longer my product, I, I won't go into any details about the, the process and what I paid or anything. All I can say is I was nowhere near as professional as you. So I, I did find and one what, person to write it and another person to edit it. And then I tried making some diagrams myself. It turns out that I'm really, really bad at making diagrams. So, uh, And in the end, I, I wasn't really happy with it. I think it was really useful content and it ranked well on Google. It probably still ranks really well and drove a lot of traffic. And I just wonder how much better it could have been if I'd gone about doing it properly with a professional. Well, if, if it ranked well and got you... You know, in that regard, I guess you can consider it a success. But I do think the the game of SEO has changed a lot in the sense that, you know, obviously the people at Google aren't stupid. They see that, you know, people used to kind of auto-generate all this content and you had all these content factories. And, and even if it's not machine-generated, it's like, you know, by people who don't really understand the industry and just doing all kinds of keyword stuffing and stuff. And so the natural response to that, I think, has to be for Google to focus on quality. 
yeah. instead of quantity. So I, I think you really need to, that's the direction, which is good for readers, for users. Obviously, you know, I like it when, as a consumer of content, it's great when you come across some really great content about a topic you're interested in. Yeah, the one you think you're likely to bookmark and share with colleagues or friends. Exactly, exactly. That's exactly it. And so, I mean, going back to the previous question, ultimately that has to be the marketing channel, that the content is so good that people use it as a reference and pass it to others and say, oh, here's where you can learn about topic X or whatever. But yeah, the the flip side of that is that then to you know it's it's not enough to just dash off a quick blog post. Like it, it becomes a big project yeah. with, with involving user experience, involving design, involving you know great writing. It's a big effort. Maybe ten years ago or so, when I had the blog for the poker software, anything I wrote on that immediately ranked well for Google. <laughs> it was quite quite remarkable. It's how I accidentally learned the basics of SEO. That if you amazing, if you want the title, if you want people to find the article, make sure the title has the thing that people would search. And I'd write an article in a day or two, it would rank in the front front page of Google for the first page of Google for those for that phrase. And there'll be sloppily written things. I wouldn't do any research. They would just dump whatever was on my brain. Maybe I'd spend an hour in total of writing it, editing it, and uh, maybe a few hundred words. And you just can't do that these days. That'll get you nowhere. Well, honestly, I'm shocked it even worked then for such a competitive topic as as poker or whatever. But well, you know, this gets at you. We have a, a mutual friend here in Barcelona, Robert, of course, with his business where they do these very detailed reviews of different services. And the the reason the business works is because you can tell the review it's really a comprehensive, independent review that's really well written. Right. You know? Maybe and, weeks and of not, work into each review. Exactly. And he really goes into the details and talks about, you know, the the niche. And you can tell it's someone, it's not someone who just spent half an hour. It's someone who spent days yeah. really contemplating the pros and cons. Yeah. And I think that's what it takes. It creates a sense of authority, accuracy, trust. And again, that thing that makes you want to bookmark it or send it to a friend. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, Ed, I, I hope the same thing happens with this guide. We haven't mentioned what the URL of it is. Do you want to tell people? Of course. Well, we'll get it in the show notes, I hope. But it's uh, so our website is opencagedata.com. Uh, so it's opencagedata.com slash reverse dash geocoding. And for anybody who ever wanted to know everything about reverse geocoding, how to implement your own approach and why you maybe shouldn't <laughs> and maybe why you should, that's that's the guide. I took a quick look at it before this phone call and I was really impressed of how slick it looked. I mean, slick can no, be I a negative so. word. Let's not say slick because slick can also mean like slick salesperson, but I mean slick like professional and polished and so on. Well, I, I'm, that's kind of you to say that. But um, yeah, of course, it, it was, you know, it's like the exact situation where it's like the first 95% take, you know, half the time and then the final 5% take the, <laughs> the other half, half the time of tweaking it and making sure, you know, that the mouse over when you hover over the chapter guide that it pops out and all this kind of crap. Uh, did you test it well on mobile and tablets and so on? Different browsers? Uh, I have looked at it on mobile, although that one of the benefits of our niche in that our target audience is developers is we have very little mobile traffic. Almost all of our traffic is desktop because it's it's software developers when they're... Um, that being said, I could imagine for content like this, it's stuff people might want to read on the go. So yeah, thanks, Steve. I'll add that to the to-do list. I thought yeah. we were done. But, um, <laughs> Here I am creating more work for you. I'll give it another look on, on mobile and tablet, but... Oh. Um, 
I think before I create more work for you, we should uh, call it quits for today. So, Ed, again, I wish you all the best with this, and thanks for telling us in so much detail about how how you went about it. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for listening, and uh, I hope you're able to make it back to Barcelona soon. And if any listeners out there want to take a look at our site and and the content and have any feedback, please let us know. Thanks. Okay. Bye, everybody. That concludes this episode of Bootstrapped. You can discuss this episode and other bootstrapping topics on our forums at discuss.bootstrapped.fm.